Welcome to Bad Movie Brunch. I am Luke. I'm Katie. And my wife, Taylor Taylor, is here. Hi! Yay! Hello! Katie, I I gotta say, the the thing that surprised me most is I'm like, how can you find a cringier fucking love triangle (laughs) than Pearl Harbor? And uh, you found it with the I did the simp younger brother and the mm-hmm. aggressive older brother who likes to get in fights. And you know he plays football because in his scene when he when he enters he's wearing his football pants, mm-hmm. um, and asking about his athletic cup. So you know he's an athlete. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess we're just gonna get right to it. We're talking about uh, the 2018's The Kissing Booth, a Netflix original movie which apparently was the most rewatched netflix movie of that year beating out such films as to all the boys i love before and roxanne roxanne and it is currently holding a whopping 17 percent on rotten tomatoes which makes it very eligible but you know mm-hmm. it, it it this movie the kissing booth may be more so than um flicks we've talked about in quite some time uh, beg the question of what makes a bad movie bad because mm. I gotta be honest with you I'm watching it and I hate it I'm I, <laughs> I, I like I mean I watched it and I was like I know I'm not the target audience but mm-hmm. even if I were it feels just unacceptable <laughs> and I don't mm-hmm. often say that about flicks I'm like this is unacceptable um, <laughs> but but on the other hand I would love to get paid to make a trilogy of films, and we're getting the Kissing mm-hmm. Booth three. Uh, yeah, that's in pre prod, so yeah. or maybe in production. For God's sake, they filmed it so, in secret already. I think. I think oh it's already Lord. in the can. It's already built in the can. Those Netflix yeah. stars. I I don't understand. <laughs> I so it's like it's like if you get three of them, how bad could they be? But. I mean, as you can probably attest, pretty bad. And I'm, I feel like I'm yeah. pretty nice. I was telling everybody that Michael Bay is not a bad filmmaker, but I'm, the, I'm like, I'm sorry. I had a hard fucking time with this one. This is so delightful for me because it's so rare that we agree on a movie. And I've had this one in my back pocket for months. I was like, okay, if I run out of ideas, maybe we can go check out that Kissing Booth movie. And then the sequel came out, and I was like, maybe now it's time. And then finally, we got to to this week, and I was like, all right, it's time to unleash this sucker. And uh, I looked into it, and I do think a big part of the problem with this movie is the source material, because it is based on a book. And like a previous movie that we covered after, it was originally based on something written on Wattpad. Although, unlike After, which was a fan fiction based on One Direction, this was an original an original story uh, published on Wattpad by a 15-year-old in 2010, which I think explains why it has a lot of the same fan fiction tropes, since it was published on a site that typically deals with that kind of thing. And, because it is just a storm of cliches. And uh, so when she was 15, not only did she get that book published, but she got a three-book deal from uh, Penguin Random House. So that was what's, interesting what's to look into. What's the author's into. name? Do you know? Her name, oh, yeah, Beth Reekles. Okay. Reckles? Let, let me double check. Yeah, Beth Reekles. And um, she now has a blog where she talks about writing as a 20-something. And uh, it's it's very, 
It's, it's interesting stuff. Apparently, she began writing The Kissing Booth because she was tired of stories about vampires and werewolves, which <laughs> gave me kind of a chuckle. It's like, funny because uh, yes, it's like 2010. totally the same fucking thing. But mm-hmm. I, I hear, uh, well, let me, let me first say I'm not trying to knock a 15-year-old uh, author. Like, holy fuck good for you mm-hmm. like congratulations on being i've i still am not like you know what i mean like who the fuck are we so that's amazing get a three book deal mm-hmm. as, a, as a teenager have a blog about writing your 20 somethings this isn't about you congratulations on your success i can't mm-hmm. knock you for that the fault the fault therein is the film and the film sucks <laughs> mm-hmm. i also think i'm gonna be... you're gonna roast a 15 year old girl for for writing tropes no, i mean it's hard not, not to write cliches i'm not gonna do that either i i it's the publisher's responsibility for um giving her the three book deal i why think, they're there to make money i know i understand <laughs> all of those things here's the thing you never you're not gonna like this take luke and that's fine i still think that i like just like when we got to after there is a responsibility in the media we produce in this. The fact that this is the most watched movie of 2018. Rewatched. Rewatched movie. So even like. Double watched. Double watched. Triple watched. <laughs> the fact that that's the case tells you that kids do want this movie mm-hmm. and that they're devouring it. But does it mean that it should exist? Like. I know that's so crazy. That I sounds like that, that sounds like I like know. burn books to me. Like that's that's <laughs> that's a scary in my I opinion. Know. Oh. Because it's like if I'm 13 and watching this movie, I probably really dig it. Again, and I don't think I feel like one, it would be crazy for us to expect kids to want anything different than the rom-coms that I grew up on. Like they're mm-hmm. no different than Twilight. They're no different than that. And so that's unfair. Like it is an unfair look at me, I'm getting older and I'm wiser than you kind of thing that I'm playing. Like, I know myself I am doing right now. But I just think that that's the whole point is, like, you grow up and you realize that this is... It's just not right for the age. It's too... Mm -hmm. She's 16 and she has sex with an 18-year-old. Guess what? That's illegal! Well, the thing... Well, my thing uh, uh, to compare it to after is, like, the difference between like the thing that somehow made it like worse than after to me is that there was like they're hitting those beats but with more of like uh, a poppy colorful like we're an 80s comedy like uh kind of aesthetic mm-hmm. which like yeah and even molly ringwald is there yeah and of course molly ringwald's there they're like look we'll we'll put her in um, mm-hmm. thank you. Our second time with Molly Ringwald in the fold on fucking Bad Movie Brunch. R.I.P. Jim and the Holograms. It didn't die, just mm-hmm. in the box office. But <laughs> uh, it's very alive in my heart. And I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. That was, like, also a Santa Monica. Isn't there a Santa Monica Pier in Jim and the Holograms, too? Oh, like, my God. Where, like, okay. Yeah. Can, can we take saying. a side detour really quick? Please. So I watched this movie with Erica, and I don't know if you guys know this about my, my lovely girlfriend, Erica, but she happens to be a DD, DDRsman. She enjoys the art of Dance Dance Revolution. Yes. Like a okay, I did not supreme fan. And as a result, uh, the first time I ever like really hung out with Erica, or one of the first times I ever hung out with Erica was on her birthday. And 
her friends asked her what she wanted to do when she wanted to go play DDR. So there's a place in on the Santa Monica Pier called Funland. And I believe it's Funland or Playland. It's like ancient. That place is very is nothing like what is shown in the movie. It's very like old and decrepit and the DDR isn't even that good, but it's like a fun place to hang. And while we were watching, she got so furious at the idea that a movie that's centered on two people that are like so into Dance Dance Revolution chose to go to the shitty Santa Monica Pier DDR place. Like, like she couldn't <laughs> handle that. She was like, I mean, if you're going to go anywhere, go to round one. Because apparently they have the supreme DDR machines. Like, they have, like, DDR gold and, like, all this stuff. Okay, and I, I was this is opening up a world like, that okay. I didn't know about. Mad intrigued. Oh, yeah. I didn't know there was a proper mm-hmm. place to go play Dance Dance Revolution. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, you know how, like, uh, some people go to the gym, some people run outside, and one of Erica's, like, main ways to get exercise is Dance Dance Revolution. So she's, like, a really hardcore fan. So it was so funny, because I didn't know that going into this, and just watching this movie with her and seeing her get increasingly furious. Like, they're not even using the bar right with dancing. Like, the song has started, and they're not even, like, doing any of the moves. They would have gotten a fail by now. Or it would have just been a bunch Damn. of misses. Like, like all of the, like, minutia about Dance Dance Revolution was so enjoyable to watch with Erica just because it made her so upset. So, aside from the general other things that are, like, frustrating about this movie, that's the thing that really got Erica was how it, they didn't do their research when it came to Dance Dance Revolution. Well, that is a that is a failure in in your. I mean, like <laughs> it is because like if you're gonna make that a fundamental uh, character uh, trait and you have Netflix like you know money, why mm-hmm. not like you know maybe cover your bases? Like, I mean, if you can afford to put the game in there and make it a, a beat, and also if yeah, if, like if I was a fan of if I was a fan of that sort of thing, uh, that would frustrate the living shit out of me. Not the biggest failure in the movie, but. Um, certainly something that would stick out to me. I feel bad because I recognize this girl as the girl that played Ramona in the mm, Ramona and mm-hmm. Beezus flick. And I, I didn't see it, but I love those books. So I, I actually mm-hmm. went in thinking like my expectations were maybe too high. Cause you telling me that it's the most rewatched movie on Netflix and me seeing <laughs> it has a bad review, like a bad rating. I don't believe it. I'm like, well, it must be good. Mm-hmm. Like, because I want there to be the option for people to watch the kissing booth do not get me wrong like mm-hmm. i i don't want to like and that's i think that's where me and taylor split is taylor just doesn't want there to be th- you don't want there to be the option of 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 kids watching and rewatching a movie like the kissing booth and then it's another generation of having these like tropes built into their head of like toxic masculinity and dudes aggressively mm-hmm. fighting over a girl with no choice or ability to make decisions. Is that like your, is that what you're saying? Like you don't even want that to be like, and I agree like to that, to that point, I that, understand where you're coming from. That's exactly. Well, that's my, ex- if you were to, if we were to get on, say we magically knew uh, both, a, both a relationship therapist and um, a 11 year old girl or a girl who really loved this movie. And we put them in a room and we talked about this movie I would be delighted to see what conversations come out of this because there's so many things that I think if you were a counselor, you would have to say would be so inappropriate on behavior Mm -hmm. of the way he treats her and the way that like we signal to people that we like each other. 
Um, and the fact that it's like she's like, you like me, right? And blah, blah, blah. And then he's like talking to another girl after they've had this very romantic kiss at the kissing booth. And it's like mixed signals are everywhere and all of these things. I just think that we're a, con- we're a country that's confused on consent. And then we magically continue to create a world where kids have to learn about relationships in media that tells them that it's like this boy's gonna kiss you he's gonna be mean to you and then he's gonna go talk to this other girl and then he's gonna go like do these other things and he's gonna be rude and mean to you and then we're like why don't we understand how relationships work you don't you didn't like the plot starting off with with her ripping her pants and her skirt being just too small so her her newly developed body's hanging out and then some guy runs up and slaps it (laughs) and then a fight for her honor ensues with like three different dudes I mean, I, uh, I mean, we're only like five minutes in at that point. That's after they recap fucking 17 years of life. Um, by the way, part of that, part of that recap is that her mom died and that never gets brought up ever again. Just, I know. Well, it does by Molly Ringwald. I mean, so, oh, so briefly, but like, it's, it's not like something that she wrestles with emotionally throughout the movie. No, no. That's the thing is like, that's what's so fucking weird too, is it's like every, I was sitting there thinking about how weird it must have been on shoot days to film all of these things that didn't have an impact on the plot. Things that could have been said in two sentences. Like Mm -hmm. you filmed like all these, like, like all of those scenes that were truly meaningless. That must've been just like, in my opinion, tedious as fuck. (laughs) Like, because it sure comes across as tedious in the, in the storytelling. I'm like, I I understand you guys have been friends for a while. You Mm -hmm. like ice cream to solve your fights. Dance Dance Revolution, you've got a crush on the older brother, but like, holy shit, that felt so weird to me well, to get like 36 episodes of a, of a show, it felt like, in that montage, and then go into the plot. Alright, well, speaking of the plot, maybe we should dive into it for the uninitiated. So, the, the kissing booth, the story itself, is about a, uh, a girl, L in high school, and she has this best friend, Lee, who she's known, like, like, they were born at the same time, and their moms were best friends, and, like, they're just super, super close. And their relationship is really important to her, and uh, they both have this shared interest, as you said, in Dance Dance Revolution. And, but the one thing, one of the factors of their friendship is that they have a set of rules, which we'll return to. And one of the main rules of their friendship is that relatives are off limits and that of course means his older brother noah who's sometimes called flynn which is confusing is is just not available for her to date so right from the get-go we have this kind of boundary that is a little bit questionable because for one apparently the young lee came up with this rule when he was about six years old which is (laughs) unnerving and then They've been enforcing it for over a decade, and the fact that he would think to police her relationships at all is kind of odd, or think that it would even be an issue. And then what eventually ends up happening, well, like, Luke, as you said, there's this big fight for her honor at the beginning where, like, this guy just touches her butt. And then she, for some reason, decides to go on a date with this guy. And then he reveals later that he was bullied out of it by the older brother, Noah. So I guess the older brother, the the thing that the two brothers have in common is that they're obsessed with who this girl dates. 
they like have these barriers against her, any romantic interaction that she might have. In Lee's case, it's specifically for Noah. In Noah's case, it's any other guy. So eventually, like, you know, like Elle has her moment of being mildly perturbed by that. But eventually they have this fundraiser where for I guess they just decide to create a kissing booth for it for their dance club, if I understood that correctly, as part of this like school fair. And there's this kind of mix-up, and she ends up kissing Noah. She's blindfolded, but he decides to kiss her, and then they make out passionately in front of everyone, and then begin an affair. And such is the plot of the kissing booth. And then they never stop mentioning the word kissing booth the entire movie. They're like, and that's what happened at the kissing booth. And then I realized oh, yeah, well, she's the running off of the sunset. The kissing booth mm-hmm. is the kissing booth. The last kissing <laughs> booth I had was in the kissing booth. <laughs> Dude, it's no joke. And like, you you touch on the boundaries and like the weird like things that are all put like put up around this this poor girl who is meant to be the protagonist and i think mm-hmm. you told me joey king is yeah. the actress mm-hmm. i think she's a i think she's giving a great performance and i think she's doing a lot with what she's given i'm really 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 impressed with her i feel bad for the role because like she feels like such a bystander in this weird like in this weird toxic vying for her affection like that she almost doesn't have a say in like and in, and in some respect you look at the movies that um movies and books that kind of follow that and you've heard me argue in favor of of twilight and stuff like that that does it too or after when we talked about it where mm. in some ways it could be that they want to use this protagonist character and make her like an every woman for the audience to kind of put themselves in those shoes. But I didn't really have that vibe here. I just felt like it was, it was just underserving, you know? And Mm -hmm. I, I felt, I felt that it was a disservice to how hard the actress had to work because I think when she's emotional, she's getting emotional. I think when, uh, when when things are going down and when she needs to be like i think she's 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 very very good at performing i just don't dig that things go from zero to a hundred all the time when guys are involved around her and it's like always turns Mm -hmm. into fisticuffs too like that's the other thing it's always just like physical and like i and in every aspect of it too i think the one thing that maybe unsettled me uh, more like when I think about it is the fact that if maybe this movie leans PG like mm-hmm. and they take out some of the weird plot points and weird dialogue maybe it's a little comfier like because to see to see her like have to get her like her butt like touched by a random dude and all these guys fighting and everything else and then she's in the principal office and and and, and she's like he touched my lady bump and like yeah, stuff the like gold that. I'm like, star for the worst line like, of the movie. Fuck me. And there's other ones too. Uh, and then it's just like, oh, you've been fucking her in secret. And it's like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, since when? Mm-hmm. It just like, like I said, like it, it, when 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 any sort of like aspect of her love life is concerned, things go from zero to fucking a hundred. Like the meter just busts out of nowhere, and like it's full and- on teen angst drama. And she, like, again, I think that you're touching on something here where she doesn't even, like, have much agency. Another factor of that is for some reason, 
for this movie that is supposedly for teenage girls, she's getting half naked, like, a lot. Like, there's mm. a lot of male gazy elements to it that I'm not sure really work for a teen girl audience. So it comes off as a little confused. Like, she's I... always objectified. Yes! I mean, also, you watch the camera, sh- um, the way that it's shot on the camera, her sliding down the, um... Uh, slip and slide it's it's mm-hmm. close to her boobs it's close to all of these things and I just am like there's a, there's a male gaze on it and I don't understand mm-hmm. it and I was I meant to look this up but I wanted to know who produced it and who um, who the director was Well, the thing I noticed was like when I did my very cursory Google research um, uh, uh, I saw that it was a female author, but the the writer director of the flick is a dude. Yeah, and I'm like, it shows. It's it's just it, and uh, to like all of the taking off. If we were to take the idea that she's trying to break through these barriers of like, you don't control me. You're not. You don't get to control who I like and who I don't like. That's pretty dope. Like. I'm all for that. And if she's all like, I don't, you can't control me, Noah. I can do whatever I want. That's all fine and dandy. But we know from the previous party, if I'm supposed to believe the character as is, when she goes to the party, she gets drunk and then she gets half naked in front of everyone. Mm -hmm. Nobody's there to take care of her. Everyone's like, oh, God. And then nothing happens. And then, um... She's embarrassed by it the next morning. And so I just, for her to then get like a paint, like she gets all paint all over herself and then her shirt mm-hmm. comes off and she's in her sports bra and um, it's no big deal. Uh, and that's liberating to her. I just, again, she's 16 years old. You said something yeah. <clears throat> when we were watching it, super interesting, Taylor, where you said like, how th- just because like there's no rhyme or reason to what comes out as a Netflix original because you know you have Roma you have the Irishman you have like these uh this award fair and then you also have like things that you really enjoyed like Mindy Kaling's new series right yeah and then oh, but I then you're it. like there's almost like so no there's almost such a dissonance in what a Netflix original is because you also get you this. also get stuff that. Um, I have no problem saying this is terrible. You. This I is, mean, this is straight up. Core, and yeah. I completely support and understand and, and, and agree because it's like, that's what I was saying. Like there's aspects that feel unacceptable. And like, if I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have like, I, I mean, I don't know what happens when you get offered a big paycheck, but like it would be tough to sign off on it. So I don't, I don't know um, what the answer is. Because, again, I walk down that, that fine line of, like, if people want to, to read a trashy romance novel and read Infinite Fucking Jest, they should have that mm-hmm. right. If people want to watch The Kissing Booth and then go watch Roma, they should have that right. But I think what you're talking about is, is a super perplexing and uh, relevant, important question uh, uh in like the industry like is it okay to perpetuate those stereotypes for generations to come when we're trying as a as a nation it sure feels like to to steer toward a more progressive place 
I and I guess here's my like this is my baggage that I should just straight up say out loud. I was a kid who re- read all of the rom com teenage coming like they were rom coms. They were meant for me. They're in the teen teenage romance. I devoured Twilight in two weeks. I read all of the like kid the like. I'm in love and I'm in high school. I also had really Mm -hmm. shitty relationships to also um, and like those things became the focus of my life um, when they shouldn't have been at that point in my life because I was a teenager. And I just feel like this being fed to kids at this age, it's like you're not supposed to find you're like you shouldn't be fighting for love at the age of 16. I, mm-hmm. I, you shouldn't be getting mad and being mean to everyone because you're in love with someone. I, I just have a big problem with that because I think, like, fuck, man, go to college, go to high school, enjoy being that. Where's Get your a fucking female friend? friend? Yes. <laughs> Where, how come she has no female friends? And again, when I can sit and love Netflix and I can love Never Have I Ever and, and mm-hmm. watch, which is also very similar tropes, like, I can also acknowledge. Mindy Kaling is about how her the boy is the popular boy and she wants to mm-hmm. be dating the popular boy and she wants all of those things. But the whole difference is she realizes that that's a mess. She realizes that the people that are like the popular crowd is mean to her and or is treating her poorly at times. I don't even know if this character of Elle really recognizes just like how much like there are nice people out in the world and this movie gives mm-hmm. no examples of that none not there, whatsoever there's also, but like i do think it's interesting to contrast it with uh um never have i ever because i do think that the love interest the popular love interest in that uh is shown to have an inner life and yes. he he there are things that he actually struggles with and he is a little bit put off by being so put on a pedestal, which this guy clearly does not have a problem with. Except for the fact that the thing that supposedly attracts him to the main character, Elle, is that she doesn't seem as interested in him as the other girls of the school. Which, that is a concerning idea. Yep. It... It's it is you again when the whole idea is you're supposed to see love through the the lens of the person who's not interested in you is the person you should go after or the person Mm -hmm. that um, you're supposed to trust the boy that says I really like you but I'm going to go talk to this girl over there I'm not going to actually share any of my feelings or emotions or uh, and and that doesn't matter I just think why like oh boy i just don't understand i don't get it i know why i I mean i can't lie if i was that age i'd be reading the shit out of this that's where i'm at that's the that's that's the difficulty but that's my problem for me but that's my problem i it makes me i makes me i want someone to write a movie where i'm like can can for five minutes the movie be about friendship can we get more <laughs> movies about friendship? Ladybird. Like, can Book we smart. get more movies? Yeah, but, and just like, in, and life confusion, mm-hmm. and, um, it, but also like, maybe high schoolers who are going to school who are like trying to figure out what it is to go to college or what they want from college or like, you're so young. I just think it's, we're, uh, if- we're, we're so invested in love 
but we're not invested in anything else and it makes me wonder why we're so everything is so hard for us to understand and is like is it because 90 percent of our brains devoted to just relationships and love and and not about uh learning other things and that's well, again my I, own i baggage. remember i remember being that age and uh i read and wrote fan fiction like avidly and the reason was because like at that time in like the the late 2000s there wasn't the swath of queer media that we have now and that i i was exposed to a lot of these like pretty questionable tropes because it was like you had to get like the bargain bin of representation at the time and um i I, so so i remember like longing like, like i think that for for me specifically and what I imagine is the experience of a lot of teenage girls when you haven't experienced love yet. Like, you want so badly to find this connection with another person that you're told, like, is the most important thing. And you want to be loved. And I think that a lot of girls feel at that age very unspecial. Like, very, like, they have body image issues. And so these stories about these girls who are supposedly unspecial as well but also have these guys fighting over them is kind of appealing because like the romance comes to them like i think that there's this kind of um secret desire that all people have to some extent that deep down they're they're just somebody is going to just want them and then that's going to be fulfilling and I think that's very prominent in teenage girl media. I think that's prominent in some teenage boy media. And I think that that's why this gets, that, that, that there's the cycle is because there's this desire to be, to have yourself fulfilled by being wanted by another person. And it's also loneliness and self-esteem all into this like soup. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more, Katie. And then you get the other half that like now being in my 20s and things like that, most of the media is about self-love mm -hmm. and so i'm like is this the back end like are we now just switching it up because in high school we we're all like oh my god i didn't need it in college i need to find my soulmate blah, blah 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 and then everyone's like yeah but do you love yourself because if you love yourself then you can love other people and i'm like again is this just the backwards version should we just be talking in high school that it's like figure out who you are and and fit and you know and and I'm not saying that there's a world that you don't you don't have to just completely oh my god relationships can't exist. I'm just saying uh, there's not a lot of self discovery in in movies like this. It's about mm -hmm. discovering yourself with with relationships. And I don't uh, I think there's there are there's another option. And the worst thing was the end of the movie is her <laughs> sending him off to college, and she goes. Yeah. She's like, and I know with Noah that, like, anything mm -hmm. is possible now. And, like, I know now that Noah's in my life, I, like, life is easier. And it's like, what? Well, girl, in, in mm -hmm. real life, I'd say 70% of people are going to uh, graduate. He's going to go to college. And he is going to break up with you or you're going to break up with him. Well, Taylor, we're married. That does look Did like what the sequel is about. Like, we're, we're married. Are we high school sweethearts? No. Okay. I and, and But that also, and, and maybe this is just because I'm married and this is self-serving and 
in a way of I have this thing that other people are still searching for. So that's unfair. But I will say this. I am so happy to be married and I'm so happy and I'm like I found the person I get to be with the rest of my life. But Luke is not the only person I talk to on a day-to-day basis. I need Mm -hmm. my friends. I need my family um, because we need a bunch of people. One person does not fulfill your life. And I'm tired of that narrative. That is where I'm at. I'm so angry. <laughs> I'm so mad. Because I, when the days that I do feel like I'm, I tell myself, Luke has to be everything for myself, is the day that I want to punch Luke in the face because he can't be everything to me because he's not my friend. I'm like, look, I'm just trying to play GameCube over here. <laughs> yeah, and guess what? And then when I'm like, oh, my God, Luke's supposed to be my best friend and he is supposed to love mm-hmm. me unconditionally and Luke is supposed to love and do all these things for me and, like, I do love you unconditionally. Yes. I, this is, sorry. I know this is going to get tangenty and I'm going to get rambly. Sorry world. But the moment that I try to make Luke everything in my life is the moment that I like our relationship is the hardest is the moment Mm -hmm. that it gets, because I put all these things on it because I was told to believe that Luke needs to literally carry me around and be my knight in shining (laughs) armor for 18 different versions of life. And yet now I'm like, well, what that doesn't make any sense how am i supposed to self-love and have someone carry me around at the same time and and how am i supposed to be independent and be a feminist and also luke uh take care of every bit and part of my life it's like feed me with the spoon but also i'm independent this is what i just feel like i feel like i'm a recovering romantic comedy alcoholic and 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 I can't take it anymore. And I oh. want the world to say that they're recovering romantic comedies, like uh, addicts. And here we are. I'm sure that is a very controversial thing. I don't but think I... so. No, I think that's a, that's a very, very, very uh, interesting way and appropriate way to put it. Because, like, you know, if, 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 if there's traits in these flicks which we deem to be toxic that perpetuate bad cliches and narratives for for kids that are you know at a very developmental stage um then it's it's definitely something that you have to like unlearn just like any other bad habit so Mm -hmm. um that's that's not easy and of course you i i still it's so hard it's like yeah choice in media is a good thing but how i think that kids and me being at that age and remembering how like hormonal and like, Mm. like fucking easily like swayed my emotions could be by the most simplistic of novels or films or music videos or songs or anything like more than anything else. I wasn't look, I wasn't craving like story and something like this. I was craving just the feelings. And this movie is, is all raw, like, passion and feelings and action mm-hmm. without the uh the story that i crave as a 27 year old who talks about film on a podcast so i i, I i'm conflicted and i completely agree with everything both of you have said um that's so and- interesting that, that you've pinpointed that it's the passion because i do think that that's what people are probably glomming onto and rewatching is because like there is like this great want to be the center of somebody's universe. So and raw, so I think you right? hit the nail right on the head. 
Yeah, and it's like I want that like that like it's just it's just that feeling and it's just that raw animalistic like emotion that you feel in your heart and gut, you know, and it's that mm-hmm. it's that total that total I don't even know how to put words to it. It feels like a guitar riff in your soul. But now Whoa. I'm looking for some juicy character development to make me appreciate <laughs> these characters and now I'm like maybe we don't build 15 minutes of the plot around her wearing a, a skirt that's too short why don't we just put mm-hmm. come, just she wears something different and we move on like you know but i i you know that's that's where i'm at with it and that's why i'm so happy to to have your perspective weekly katie and taylor mm-hmm. your perspective daily um <laughs> you both are contributing to making me a more thoughtful person and a more thoughtful viewer so i appreciate it oh that's lovely um, if you, if you don't mind, I'd like to catch up with the rest of the film. Yes. So, uh, so our two characters, Elle and Noah, start hooking up in secret, and uh, mm. they she loses her virginity at the Hollywood sign. Which, side note, that is impossible. I do Barf. think that this was written by a Welsh author who isn't familiar by the fact that there are many cameras around the Hollywood sign. There's only like. You can only get there through going through Griffith Park, and police are just everywhere. So that would be nigh impossible. But I understand <laughs> the, the 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 fantasy of it. So they they have sex at the Hollywood sign, and then they start hooking up, and she has to keep it a secret from the brother. And um, the brother, by the way, met this character at the kissing booth night, who uh, he was originally interested in one of the, like, um, I would say plastic light girls like the the plastics from from mean girls it seems like uh, a lot of people are trying to recreate that magic with mean girls which, which i've never i've never seen a trio of mean girls in my own personal like teenagehood so i always find it surprising to see them but he gets shot down by one of the popular girls and then this other girl whose name i can't even remember starts dating him and i think the purpose of that for this other girl is to just show that he is not romantically interested in our lead that his that they are just friends and that women and men can be friends. Like, I, I do think that that was the intent. Yeah. However, when Lee, the friend, finds out that they have been hooking up, for one, he thinks that he misunderstands for a moment because Elle falls while uh, Noah is fixing his car, that he punched Elle, which is alarming in a variety of ways that you would think that your older brother has hit a woman much less it a, made me a, so uncomfortable and he friend. wouldn't even accept he wouldn't even accept that he didn't hit her it like he goes did you hit her he's like dude no i didn't hit her and then it calms down for a second and then he's like no bullshit man you fucking hit her and it's like mm-hmm. what the fuck is happening here that was like well i made i felt so weird watching that scene sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but i'm so i would have forgot to mention it and it made me feel very fucking weird yeah it's a, it's a weird scene it's deeply uncomfortable what I also think that kind of implies is that he has the type of character where one could could see him hitting women, which is a gigantic red flag, <laughs> especially, again, if it's your own family member that is accusing you of it. So there's that. And then there's this kind of thing where he walks in on that and he's like, what's going on here? And then he leaves and then he walks in on them kissing. Minutes later, and then coming that's- back. <laughs> So he so walks fuck. in on them she twice. Just go get the car. <laughs> and he just he flips out. He totally flips out. He starts calling his friend a slut, which is always bad. 
never good, never acceptable. Even if you broke some kind of rule in your friendship, like it. Rule nine. You don't get a say here, and you don't get to call your friend a slut. That's like a friendship-ending kind of offense. So she tearfully tries to run after her friend, and he looks at her in his car, and he says, The only thing my brother had that I got to have was you. Which I believe is the most problematic part of the entire (laughs) film. (laughs) Ownership. Own the women. Ownership. Women shall mm-hmm. be owned. We can only... Uh, mm. It's very unfortunate. And the fact that she feels the need to apologize for, to him for... For what? For for following... For having a relationship? Like, I get sorry, that it's, I, it's sorry uncomfortable. Sorry I was a human being. Yeah. But it, it, he just completely, like, overreacts. And then they have prom, which is very boring. And she eventually is, like, tells him, like, I love your brother and I want to be with him. And then there's this really odd switcheroo where she's, like, saying something yeah. emotional. And it turns out that instead of the brother, it's Noah in a Batman mask. Why don't you tell him yourself? And... Well, you Something did like tell that. him. Something no. like that. Well, you did tell him. And, then he, and then he takes off his... Like, she didn't it's question out. the Batman mask. Like, that would have been my my number one thing. Like, this is dumb. Don't wear a Batman... Like, come on. I'm, so, uh, man. He's also going to play Batman. You can just feel it in my bones. That that actor is going to play Batman in 20 years. It was 10 weird. years. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm calling it right now. We're on this podcast. That dude will play a version of Batman. He's after Pattinson. I well, it's weird that Taylor like, like earlier in the movie when Homeboy was like, she said no and like screamed and was <laughs> fighting like this eighth person of the movie. This guy's a, just a real brawler. Um, yeah, Taylor's like, whoa, th- he wants to be Batman. And then when he's actually in the Batman mask later, it's like, okay, well at least maybe she was like, she's on, she finds threads in films that I just don't even see. Mm-hmm. Anywho, isn't Katie it great? Right. She's he's he's her hero, Katie. <laughs> oh lord uh taylor earlier you brought up a very interesting point which is why aren't these movies about uh teenagers like being interested in going to college and let's touch on my least favorite trope in all of teen movie dumb ever which is ivy league for everyone everyone is always gunning for ivy league everyone always mm-hmm. gets into ivy league even this like dude like this particular guy they try to give him some depth by having him go to harvard like oh the suspension of disbelief well i mean maybe laurie what's her face is his mommy and that maybe molly ringwald is laurie what uh who's laughlin from yes and that's why because look look at the look at that house they probably bought their way into harvard he's probably a legacy boy Oh yeah, that house yeah, is ridiculous. That, that house was wild. Again, it's like they they have so many opportunities to flip everything on uh, into this world of like, um, we could flip it on. It's like okay, he got into Harvard because he's a legacy kid and all these things. I just feel like we should take all of these things and we should just make the movie where it's like, and this is what it is to be privileged. And it's, mm-hmm. but I mean, we're this is like Gossip Girl. This is all these things where it's like. Mm, money porn yeah so pretty rich anyhow. people behaving badly yep um, so 
Yeah, and then at the end, like, they get back together, I guess, and they have, like, a good rest of the summer, and then she drops him off at LAX on a motorcycle, which, good luck. Uh, I'm <laughs> sure it's doable, but, like, if right you've now. ever dropped oh, the or pandemic, picked someone else from doable. LAX, it's... <laughs> LAX is dead as fuck right now. <laughs> but no. Well, not in the before trend. time. Not in no. the, the before, like, 2018. Yeah, no. Luke picked me up in, um... What did you pick? You picked uh, 2017 when we when he was here. Wh- when you live with when you guys live with each other, and mm-hmm. Luke got on a bus to pick me up, and that was almost like horrible. It did not go. It took like what well, we ended up being fine, but it definitely it was took. Weird. It was like shuttles around big ass parking lots to different terminals. Mm-hmm. It was all fucked up. So yes, and yes, and then she's at LAX magically. Which, and where did she park? Yeah. Well, they didn't, like, like I imagine they, from what I understand of her pulling out of there, that she probably didn't park because she's dropping them off at, like, the, the, the side. So, oh, yeah. um, so, but then as they say their goodbyes to each other and she rides off into the sunset, she now knows how to ride a motorcycle. Like, in between the beginning of the movie when she was nervous about getting on the motorcycle to the end... There's a scene missing where she taught herself or he taught her how to ride a motorcycle. I mean, when so, they were when they were in the motorcycle in the rain, like I think that's when she learned. That shot oh, okay. also is hilarious. I'm like, "Oh, good green screen." Mhm. And it just it just ends and you're right, Taylor, that like it's she now thinks that everything is possible because she hooked up with this guy. And her friendship has been mended, even though she should have totally just, like, really made it difficult. Like, like made him earn their friendship. Because it, it just, like, he calling her a slut and being so controlling was really weird. Like, they should have had a talk about that. Oh, um, there's no conversations about anything, truly. No. And that's where mm-hmm. Luke is right, where it's like, it's, it is about watching them kiss and then the passion of it. All. Like, that's where their focus is. And it's mm-hmm. not about, like... Hmm. What happens when you and your friend get into a fight? What should you do? It's like, don't talk about it. Just magically mm-hmm. get over it. Yeah, your friend is probably right, and you're probably right, but I guess you guys will never speak of it ever again. Yeah. That's essentially <laughs> what I got from how the movie like dealt with it. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I think the most confusing thing of all, or not the most confusing, but... An odd way to end the movie is her by saying that all of this was because of a kissing booth, which I would argue that it was not. I I know that they brought up like you were talking about like kissing booth, kissing booth, kissing booth, but I it was so easy for me to forget about it for like the rest of the movie. Like oh, they yeah. had yeah, their but, kiss. like that was gonna be a third act thing. Like everything would have been yeah. leading toward the kissing booth, and instead mm-hmm. that like uh, so weird. Hmm. I, I didn't feel like the kissing booth did anything except uh, allow for him to kiss her while she was blindfolded, which mm. <laughs> Fuck this. like he could only kiss her Ooh. and and he could only um, he express wasn't his he feelings. Knew he was in front of everybody. Well, so yeah, they, right. They, they mend it a little bit, right? She takes it off. She sees him, and then they kiss it's again. So it's so fucked. And so it's like okay, um, but. And then he literally goes to talking to some other girl. Oh, yeah. He's like, and then we get the mm-hmm. security guard that's like, oh, Noah, caught you again in here. It's like, 
everything I in forgot the about that. You took me to, my, to your hookup spot? Yes. And so it's like everything is telling you that he's, he. why would you be important to him? He gives no bit. He gives you nothing to trust in the sense of you're any different than any of these other girls. And ah, but Taylor, at the end of the film, when he brought her back to the hookup spot, the security guard gave them both, as they were making out, a nod of approval. Oh, thank God. <laughs> He's like, all right. <laughs> this one's real. Yes. He said, high five, brother. Yes. <laughs> I want to talk to the people who rewatched this movie, and I want to talk to the, the like... They're probably middle schoolers, dude. They're probably middle schoolers who rewatched the shit out of it during the pandemic to feel something because they couldn't see their friends. Oh, man. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I'm just saying, like, a a devil's advocate here. (laughs) I know. And and it's like, that makes sense. Those are the people who are watching Netflix. It's not your parents. Like, Mm -hmm. my parents, no offense to my parents, but they hardly know how to use Netflix. That's the thing. They have the account, but the people watching this movie are, like, are, like, yeah, like, middle schoolers who are, like, so fucking pumped that there's an edgy movie they can access that has swear words and, like, you know, pretty people their age making out. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Uh, well, um, movie bad. I think yeah, we, we're in consensus. Bad. Movie bad brunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um. I, I, I'm glad I saw it because I was very curious about it. I'll never probably watch it ever again. But no. I did talk to my roommates who also saw it and were also, like, really alarmed by it and Yay. there's a part of me that is interested in the sequel only to figure out like no, what could it me, possibly be i think you have to watch t- it well you don't have to watch it and here's why because like i was also intrigued and like it was like that moment uh when like in toy story where they're all watching like all the presents and potential new toys come into andy's party and they're like they're getting bigger like mm-hmm. I, I saw the second one and it's fucking two hours and 11 minutes or some shit and i'm like why would it be longer than the first one (laughs) and then like i I, like so here's what we should do we should definitely Mm. read the plot somewhere we should read the plot okay i'm not watching it i think maybe you watch it i think in a few months you should watch it and you should make it another episode about it why do you think it Mm -hmm. saves well you're do you think it saves itself or something you think the, the second one is like just kidding and then she's like has female agency in part two That'd be dope. What if, um, though? No. I just need no. to know. I feel like th- at this point, it's like, we, you've got to keep going with it. No, I don't think so. I mean, I <laughs> uh, I really don't want to. I mean, you don't... Yeah. I would if I liked it a lot. This I would watch all... Bad Movie Brunch, so it, why wouldn't you watch the two most is, terrible movies? It is, but the perk of Bad Movie Brunch is usually a, 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 one of us really digs it, because then, like... yeah. We have, like, an argument, but if we watch Three Kissing Boots and it's me and Katie just being like, this is reprehensible, like, nobody's going <laughs> to want to want those episodes. That's true. Yeah, my, still... my bad. I didn't know. Like, I, I came up with this idea and, like, halfway through, you texted me and you were like, hey, what are we doing this week? And I was like, well, I was watching this with the intent of Bad Movie Brunch, so let's just say, even though I haven't finished it, we'll do this one. And then we ended up both being like, hmm. So, we'll see. With all that being said, I've been Luke Taylor. I've been Katie Grotzinger. And I'm Taylor Taylor. And you have a good one, folks. (laughs) 